You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. our faithful, loyal sisters here in London. Um, so tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about Valentine's Day, because um, I, until now, did not really know the origin of that holiday or that celebration. And, you know, it's great that we're going to be having um, the uh, banquet this Sunday after church, which I think will be a great Opportunity to invite people. It's a free meal. Yeah. It's going to be fun. There's going to be DJ. Uh, <laughs> DJ. I mean, brothers, but DJ. They don't need to know that. Um, and uh, who wouldn't want to come to the Porchester Hall, which is a beautiful location on Valentine's Day? So that's that's going to be a really great opportunity for us to share. But you know, ultimately, when I think of Valentine's Day. I think that God truly wants to be our Valentine, right? Truly, that is the heart of God. And that is what I'm going to talk about, is how we can be a great Valentine to God. But I wanted to give you some background, because I thought it was really interesting when I was studying it out today, that according to many sources, Valentine was actually a Roman priest who lived during the reign of Emperor Claudius II. They say during about 3rd BC. Now we should know, those Bible scholars in the house, Claudius can be found in the Bible. Does anyone know the book? Acts. Does anyone know off the the top of their head what chapter? Chapter 17. Close. I'm shocked. I was shocked. Nearly like made me think better of you, but you were only stuck in the dark. But that was a pretty good guess. In Acts 18, verse 2, it says, And he, referring to Paul, found a certain Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with Priscilla, his wife, on account of Claudius, commanding all the Jews to leave Rome. Claudius did not like Christians. He wanted them to leave Rome, the Bible says. And he did not like marriage. He didn't like marriage, not because it was a Christian thing, but he didn't like marriage because he felt as many did during the time, that unmarried soldiers were more courageous than married soldiers because married soldiers tended to be probably err on the side of caution because they had kids and a wife. But they believed that an unmarried man had nothing to lose. So he was a brave soldier. So he actually had an edict that made marriage illegal during that time as he, wow. as he, as he reigned as emperor. Now, this is where Valentine comes in. You know, as Christians, you can imagine that's a really difficult situation. You want to get married to a Christian man, and Claudius is like, you can't. Therefore, you, you know, what do you do? So Valentine says, no, we are in the church are going to secretly marry, marry Christians. And he did. And it came in a cost. Because, sadly, in the year 20, 216 AD, Valentine was actually sentenced to a three 
part execution of beating, stonily and stoning, and finally beheading for his convictions and stand on Christian marriage. And the story goes, and then it's quite there's a lot, a lot of other things that go on historically, but the story goes that the last words he wrote were to a note of one of the jailer's daughters, and in it he wrote from your Valentine. And there comes a tradition of giving notes on Valentine's Day or cards on Valentine's Day. That's a really interesting story. But I bring it up because really, tonight I'm really going to talk about how we can be a great Valentine, not only to God, but especially for the married women here tonight. I think sometimes with married women, we don't get a really specific direction. I'm going to go there tonight and talk to a lot of the married women specifically. Now, single women don't just check out and glaze over. All right? Because a lot of you, I know, because you've told me, want to get married. So this lesson is going to really, really help your heart understand biblical principles of what it actually means to be married and therefore prepare your heart to be a great wife, not only to Jesus, but to potentially your future husband. You know, God deeply desires to be our Valentine. If we turn to Isaiah 54, 5, the Bible is so clear on the heart and the beauty of God. His heart for us. He says, your maker, sisters, is who? Your husband. The Lord Almighty. Just in case you didn't know who your maker was, you were says, the Lord Almighty is his name. Don't forget it. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. Turn to 62 in Isaiah, chapter 62 in Isaiah, verse 5. Crank out those Bibles if you have them. Isaiah 62, 5 says, As a young man marries a maiden or virgin, so will your sons marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. And that is God's heart. You know, what a great day it will be when we finally meet our bridegroom. Revelation 19, all the way in the back, shows a beautiful illustration of how it will be on that great day. The church, as we know, is the bridegroom of Christ. And in verse 7 of Revelation 19, The Bible says, let us rejoice, church, and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. Finally. Right? His bride has made herself ready. And that's us. Are you making yourself ready for that great day? And that's why we have midweeks. That's why we meet as a body of Christ. To get ourselves ready for that great moment when Jesus comes and sees us in fine linen, bright and clean. Was fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Brackets. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. It does not say the righteous belief. No, the righteous act, as we talked about, the difference between religious and righteous. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Amen. And the church says, Amen. You know, weddings are awesome. The church was able to go to the Channers' wedding, Ali and Jonathan. I wish I had been there. I heard it was amazing. I know they have been planning for months. The details of the wedding, the banquet, the who could the seating arrangements. I mean, the detail, the, the colors, the food, the dessert, the cake. A lot goes into it. And that's going to be our hearts. Are we getting ourselves prepared? 
sisters, to be the bridegroom, the bridemaid, the bride of Christ. That is, really is the church. And I know a lot of you are reading, like, like Jane Lee was sharing a great book that she's been reading about being a great helpmeet, and a number of you are reading that book and are super challenged by it. So it's good. A lot of us are preparing. But tonight, I really want to talk to the marrieds as well. I really want to talk about how we can be great valentines to our husbands. I think our husbands in this church are sometimes neglected as wives. And I am blame to blame as well. I can have a hundred things to do. Ministry, sometimes my ministry is my kids, the women, and then my husband. Yeah, That's totally backwards. And I'm in sin and in rebellion because of that. My first point, oh, I want to share this quote to the single women. This is a really cool quote because I said, a lot of what I'm going to share tonight, the principles that I'm talking about can be transferred absolutely to our relationship with God. A great quote that I read today was, dance with God, make him your valentine. That's my addition. Heal, let the right person cut in. Dance with God. Dance with him, sisters. Heal, let the salsa. for a while so you can go there you're not going to don't don't, uh, keep your Bibles open and and ready Titus 2 verse 1 Timothy Timothy. Paul is talking to to Titus to the church in Crete and he says giving him instructions you Titus no yes Uh, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Here is our bit. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands, there it is, and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. You know, to me, this is such an incredible argument for discipleship. I cannot imagine someone says that discipleship is not a biblical concept. It's not yeah. a biblical yeah. principle. This is discipleship for women and men the very essence of discipleship discipleship is emanating Christ in our life so I can teach and inspire it prayerfully another woman to emulate how I am emulating Christ, amen? amen? it's incredible and the word reverent that is used here actually when translated from Greek means to be like God's priest or acting as his representative Again, the more we're like Christ, the more we're priest-like, then we're really able to teach the younger women. And it's not necessarily the age of older women. An older woman can be someone like, I was thinking, Jaleesa, 
is actually, it's not like 45-year-old, it's an older woman that has had life experience. Yeah. Or, well, Hillary, how old are you? You're in your 30s? She's in her 30s. You don't have to be old and gray to teach the younger women. It's just that you can be a mom at 20, 20 have kids, have be busy at home, be subject to your husband, and be a 22-year-old that's cranking out younger women yeah. in your ministry because of your example. Absolutely. Your example to be reverent, to be priest-like in your daily life. Nothing here says, be this at church. There's not a, it's not about, yeah, not about being this at church. This is about being this in who you are every day, 24-7. You know, when we're reverent, our lives will be able, we will be able to mentor, encourage, coach, tutor, teach, train, disciple, and guide another, another's life towards God. As role models or as top models, the older women in the church can be, have the responsibility of the younger women. They are, for Michael and I, for Titus, for Timothy, for Paul, for any evangelist and his wife. These are the arsenal. This is the army that is going to train and go into the church and make credible disciples that will make incredible disciples. All women's ministry. This is women's ministry. We should be fired up that God is talking about women's ministry. We should be fired up. What is interesting is that the, the verse 5 says that if we do not do these things, it's very clear that we will malign, malign the word of God. What does malign mean? It's not a word that I really use very much in my daily life. I don't know about you. But the definition, is one definition is to speak great evil of. When we do not behave as reverent wives, living the way that Titus 2 is outlined, we are speaking great evil of our God. We are speaking great evil of His Word. Another definition says having an evil disposition towards others. So we can have an evil attitude to God. We can resent. And how many of us haven't at times resented the truth? Yeah. Who of us? We, no one in here can go, no, I haven't. Exactly. Everything's been really easy. No. I, right. I, you know, be honest. Yes. I've had an attitude sometimes. When that submission to everything, yeah. that gives me a big attitude. Everything is everything. Yeah, come on. There's sis. no little one percent of Michelle, unsubmissive Michelle, can get away with it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We can get an attitude at God and His Word. Come we can sis. have. Uh, we can treat. This is horrible. We, when we disobey God, we can treat Him with malice mm-hmm. and show hatred toward. Another word he used, another definite, abuse. When we do not obey God's word, we can abuse God and his word. And who's going to find that attractive? Who's going to want to become a disciple? No one. In fact, we in a sense nullify, as Matthew 15 says when we're hypocrites, the word of God. None of us want to do that. And I know you guys do not want to disobey God. So married women, ask yourself, is your life... As a wife, a godly model worthy of imitation. If a young woman followed you in your home for an eight-hour day, for example, for a week, was an intern of Maria Hart or an intern of Euclid or an intern of Teresa Scott or an intern of Deirdre Morgan, would she be an incredible woman of God after that week of imitation. 
What would her credentials be? Would God approve her or fail her? How is it going? Singles. Are you going after older women in the church? Again, it doesn't have to be age, but someone with experience in these things and desiring to be taught. I think the campus women have an incredible woman that may not have kids, but she's a married woman, subject to her very strong Mexican man. You can learn a lot from this woman. Do you you honor her? Do you respect her? Do you go, wow, what can I learn from Cassie? What can I learn from Krista? Another married woman that is doing really well. I look at Victor, that guy's fired up. (laughs) Mama's doing something right at home. Mama's doing something right. I've been seeing Jonathan. I need to see his face and see how happy he is. I'm sure he's pretty fired up to be married to beautiful Ellie. But that was my first point. Be a top model. Amen. Be an incredible Titus 2 woman. Amen. Amen. Second point. The ancient art of loving our husbands. Wow. The ancient art, all of the ancient arts can be found in this beautiful book called the Bible. Yes. Love it. You know, what was the first thing that Paul taught to the younger women? He says what, guys? What's the first thing we need to do, according to Titus 2? Love your husband. Yes. So God wants women to love their husbands. And this passage, if it's a blueprint for women's ministry, if it's a blueprint for how we are to have, how we are to be married, because this is the only real blueprint there really is. So if God is sovereign, then we've got to go, okay, this is all we have. Do we hang on to this as God's secret, mm-hmm. as his you know, precious mm-hmm. guidelines to how to live my life? Yeah. If it is, then we will love our husbands over our kids. Yeah. Over our kids, yeah. married women with kids. Yeah. We will love him more than that. And I am guilty Guilty, guilty, guilty of loving my kids more than God. As I said, I have a, a hierarchy that is and the opposite, the antithesis of this, which is love children, then my women. My husband can feel like he gets, not seconds, but thirds by the time. I, and I'm usually, I'm like, okay, and your part, since you're really strong and spiritual and kind of a, go, a go-getter, you don't even need any, you don't even need thirds. Can I have the thirds? Because I need a little piece of the pie because I'm exhausted, right? Because I've got my priorities jacked up. I gave too much to the kids, I gave too much to the women, and I had nothing left for me or my husband. That's jacked up. I need to change it. And if Mike's like, if the women are mad at you, they're mad at you. But I need to be the happiest man on this planet because you're taking care of my needs. Amen. Amen. And I think a lot of us have been really... um, brainwashed by the world and by our own families. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a bit of a, a, a wrong view of men. And I really, my family, you, mom just was like, you, you're independent and I'm independent. We're separate people and that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways I can live my life that way. Yeah. Like, I've got kids. You're not my kid, my husband. But our husband, the, the, the love that we have towards our children needs to be what we have for our husband. Mm-hmm. The, the, the word that the love is used in Titus 2 to love our husband is the Greek word philandros, throos. I'll, I'll spell it. P-H-I-L-A 
N-D-R-O-I-S, which means basically to be devoted, to be totally and utterly devoted to your husband. Right? So for single sisters, I'm going to keep bringing you in here so you don't check out. Is loving Christ with devotion your number one priority? priority? I need to love my husband. I need to love God first and then love my husband. But are you loving God first? You will be able to answer that question in a second. Because I forgot to give you the definition of devotion. I like definitions because it helps us get deeper into the world and to the studies. The definition of devotion is basically love, loyalty, or enthusiasm for a person or activity. Enthusiasm, guys. Married women, keep that in your head right now. Enthusiasm. All right. Not duty. Wow. Michelle. Right? Duty. I love by duty. Right? That's easy. I I love everyone here because it's my duty to love you guys. But am I enthusiastic to love you? That requires a big heart effort on my part mm-hmm. and, a, and, and a sacrificial type of love. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So, single sisters, are you fired up and excited and enthusiastic honestly about your relationship with God today? How, if, how was your quiet time this morning? Write down good or bad or terrible. Write it down. You don't have to show anyone. I'm not going to shame anyone or I'm not going to... How did it go? How Were you enthusiastic this morning to wake up and delve into your Bible or were you, did you even have a quiet time? Yeah. Some of us here probably are having three to four quiet times a week. Ideally, guys, oh. you're not going to live very long spiritually. Yeah. Oh, really, really. If again, I've talked about this a million times, but just get help. Just get you know. Sometimes it's just uh, finding something that fires you up. Yeah. Um, books or or different things or where you pray, how you pray, what you're reading. There's we can fire it up. Marriage is the same. There, who hasn't had at one point a very dead marriage? Some of us have had really bad communication. It's gone dead. We're just like, oh man, I've got to refire it up. There's marriages not here. Maybe there are some wives that have been cheated on. They're still with their husbands. And there's still deep romance and love because they've resurrected that relationship. It's possible. We're not going to have romantic. Ellie and Jonathan hate to break it to them. They're not going to have romantic love forever and ever and ever. No. What happens is, <laughs> love, talk and marry. Oh, breathe now. It's true. It's very true. Love got the married, but at the end of the day, that marriage commitment will keep the love going because of the commitment. And that's yeah. what we do. When we make Jesus Lord, the love is going to go. The, 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 the fire up. How many times have we said the Bible, oh, count of the cost, oh, it's awesome, I'll give up everything. Yeah, I can have all my money, everything, my job, my career. And then two weeks down the road, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. What? What happened? You told me, right? I, I mean, what? I didn't put those words in your mouth. Come on. The love fades. But a disciple tested will meet her bridegroom if she hangs in there and through thick and thin hangs in there and works on firing up that relationship that can be fired up. We need to learn to cultivate a friendship, married women, with our husbands. Our husbands don't want us to be wives. They want us to be their girlfriend. It's a big difference. A wife's like... Oh, the bills, the kids, food in the oven. Yeah. See, I'm gonna, I'm tired. Um, oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, really, Cassidy? Yeah. Three hours of telling Cassidy what to do. I don't. But yeah. Yeah. they don't 
they want the wife literally to go, okay, husband's going to be home at this time. I need to be looking a bit nicer than I do. I mean, if you're dating, do you? Come on. You don't just show up with your house. Yeah, come on. going to go all out, yeah. makeup, eyebrows, yeah. teeth, clean, couple times, even then you get a nice dress, right? Yeah. That's how we got to be. Guys, I've been married 15 years nearly. Some of you longer, some of you 20, 25. Fire it back up. Be his girlfriend. It, men need us to be that. And I can tell you, the brothers in the church, if this goes through the married men, they, you will, I will see on Sunday, I will see a different, a different spirit in our men, in our brothers. They will be conquerors when we truly love our husbands. We're talking about men that will go to war and die for you guys. When they feel loved, honored, and respected at home, a man will do anything. They tell me that. I read that. That's not just them saying that because they want you to make them apple pie and whipped cream and be intimate. That's no. reality. Men yeah. really are very simple creatures. They just, they just want, Maria says it a million times, respect, food, and intimacy. It's that basic. It's that simple. But we overthink it. We analyze it, we bring in our past, and we make it completely complicated and mess it up and jack it up, and then it's horrible. And they're like, what happened? What happened to the woman I dated? She was nice and compliant and beautiful. She thought I was awesome. She really, I mean, she really thought I was awesome. Get married and treat him like dirt. We blame them for everything. Blame our husbands for everything. And that's bad. So, what I did to fire back up my marriage relationship, I went online and looked up some practical steps that I could express my love to Michael in better ways. Because I want to be a better girlfriend to my husband. One of the first things that I, um, and I can give you the guys, I'm not, so I don't plagiarize, I got this from another um, resource. This is not my own uh, points. But because I'm not great at it, as I admitted. I need to first of all decide that I'll make my husband my number one priority. Yes. I talked about that before. Wives, is your husband your number one most important human relationship of all time? Of anyone over anyone else, including your parents, brothers, sisters, friends, mother. <laughs> oh no, and mothers, even more importantly. It, your husband is to be more important than even your children. Yes, wow. There's a great quote from a guy called David Blankenhorn, which says, Marriage is our society's most pro child institution. So, marriage is good for the kids. If you want kids to do well, then you want your marriage to do well. Take care of your man, your kids will be an amazing asset to the community because they will feel very, very, very secure. Many of us in this room had broken homes, terrible marriage. We, were, we came into the world super insecure. Yep. Super, super insecure. We saw so much sin. We saw mom degrade dad, argue dad, call him names, dad beat mom, walk out, cheat. I saw it all. 
messed up. I was super insecure about men. And I went and tried to find daddy in every boyfriend I ever had until I found daddy, King Jesus. Amen. 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 We spend so much time worrying as moms about our kids. Love your husband, mamas, and your children will grow up secure. Number two, the second point is to start to seek your husband's friendship. Seek your husband's friendship and love ahead of all other human relationships. I talked about that again. Almost all romance flows from closeness. Often our husbands are lonely. Is your husband lonely? Ask him. Do you feel like I'm your best friend? Ask him. Am I your best friend? Remember in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good for what? Man to be alone. Men need us. Even though they seem, my husband seems like a mega superhero. He does. You know, he's like, muscular. Like yeah. someone like take, takes him off guard, he's like smooth, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I can really think, I can really think that he's like infallible, no. that he's yeah. perfect, not in a like perfect, perfect, but that he doesn't need much, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he needs me more yeah. than anything yeah. in the world. He does. If I say great job, that guy's like, oh, it doesn't matter what Kip McKee, what anyone else says. But if I don't like the sermon, if I say something negative, everything he did, he's just like, well, what's the point? He just gets discouraged. That's the power of a wife. That, that we have the power, as I said before, to build our homes or break our homes. We have the power to build our husbands and make them invincible men of God. And we have the power to make them feel pathetic, to, mm-hmm. to, to take away their manhood because we want to lead them. We yeah. have that power and you are killing your, the confidence in your husband and the confidence in your sons, wives. You are killing them. Second, third point, beginning exam, examining your lifestyle. I talked a little about the piece of the pie. Look at your lifestyle. How much time do you really spend on your husband? The other thing is my husband can cook. I've been really convicted by this as I've been studying this out this few few days because Michael's like, he's basically discipled me. I haven't been a great friend to him. And he's a great cook, so I can go, okay, he's got that department. But I just made a decision. No, I'm going to start being a better cook and making food that my husband likes. I got into a big habit of making food my children like. Because, you know, as a mom, you're like, oh, they got to have nutrition and grow up and have brain cells and be strong. <laughs> they don't like no, and they went, oh my gosh, she didn't eat, oh my gosh, she's going to die. So, you know what I mean? So, you make, so I make things like spaghetti and chicken nuggets. My husband doesn't eat that stuff. <laughs> right? So he likes chicken, lots of chicken, rice, and he likes tasty food. He likes really good flavors. So on Monday, I, was, I repented. Um, I made this incredible chicken dish. Um, I made, actually, it was Tuesday. I made it for the, the Corrigans had the leftovers of my repentance. Right. So they were fired. I mean, Sean, they, Sean was like, come some of yours. Um, but I made this incredible chicken dish and this risotto with cream because he really likes risotto made with, with sherry. So it was amazing. I mean, I went all out. He was fired up. And then even today I tried to make, and he was amazing. He was so fired up 
today I was making stuff and he's like, Michelle, you need to work on your lesson. Take it easy. He's never done that. You know, usually I'm like, it's midweek. Someone's going to preach midweek around here. Got no time to preach my lesson or work on my lesson. Doesn't phase of sitting down watching his football. Here, man, appreciate it. please, God. I'm such an evil woman. I gotta preach to women and I got a bad attitude all day. Right? Right? So, men don't need much. Like, have a little faith, sister. You were like, oh my gosh. I'm going to give intimately. It's going to be like slave. I'm sorry. Well, you know, marriage retreat's not to June, so I'm going to lay it out. I can't wait till June, sisters. We're going to help our brothers. Okay, so you get the point. My point basically is look at your life. How much time do you really, really spend on loving up that man in a day? It's minutes for some. I mean, here's me. This is me. I take care of your kids. I'm an amazing mom. I do your uh, laundry. The house is immaculate. You know, you know. I, I decorate. I lead the women. I'm a, I give my heart. I'm awesome. You don't have to disciple me into loving the ministry. I'm like, I'd love to with all my heart. Mm. Right? I feel like I've, I've loved you, like, up and down, sideways, four ways. And my husband's like, you loved everything and everybody else, but that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't feel loved by that. It's awesome. I mean, I love a nice bathroom that smells clean, or I love that you love Anna and the sisters in your Bible talk, but I'm like undernourished. And Hillary's going to speak to you guys at the next midweek. She's going to lay it out. She's going to say, she's going to help us see what, you know, the consequences of not doing this. And it's amazing because she asked me and she wants to do it because she wants to help us be great lives. And God is going to only use her in a powerful way. She has just blossomed. You have just blossomed. You're amazing. You're so secure, Hillary. Just amazing. There's a peace there because you've been let suffering train you. You're amazing. So, guys, let's love our husbands. You know, there's simple ways to love your husband. Um, I could get into it, but I'm not going to because you guys, as wives, are going to do what I did and research and become really great friends to your husband. But first and foremost, pray for your husband. Pray, pray, pray every day for your husband's life. Plan to do great things. Prepare for him. When he comes home, as I said, I kind of went through all these physically, spend time with your husband, guys, and be positive. This is another huge area. I will talk amazing, uplifting, Oprah Winfrey, life-changing, right? To the women. To the women. But to the men, to my husband, hardly ever give him a positive word. Because I'm like, well, you're awesome. You're confident. You have everything. You don't need any more. 
and we can forget. Whereas with my children, I would never, ever not say, oh, you're lo- awesome, me, I love you. You know, I'm just, yeah. ten times a day with my children. Yeah. They're secure. They don't necessarily need it. But of course they need it. But my husband needs it. My husband needs it. We need to say four things every day to our husbands. I love you. I appreciate you. I'm thankful for you. I'm grateful for you. And I won't give up on you. Our husbands really we need to hear those things. That we love them. We appreciate them. So when I was doing the lesson, I quickly, I texted him. And I said, you know what? Thank you so much. We had a great family time last night when I cooked the dinner. He actually did some discipling with my son. It was awesome. There was no phones. There was no iPads, there's no novels, you know, because mm-hmm. Michael loves to read. Uh, Michael and I have our, our phones there for ministry, and, you know, me is doing the iPad. None of that. And it was a great family time. And I thought, you know, so my husband's now inclined to do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. All right. Now, this is going to get a bit prickly. This is my last one. Come on, my last point is compliant or defiant. Ooh. All right, write these down for time's sake. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do for the Lord. Ephesians 5.24. Now as a church, submit to Christ. Right? This mm-hmm. is not something just, just wives have to worry about. The church submits to Christ. Yeah. So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Mm-hmm. Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit to yourselves, to your husbands, as is, as is fitting to the Lord. It is fitting for a godly wife to submit to her husband. It is unfitting, very unfitting for a godly wife to not submit herself to her husband. First Peter 3, 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husband, not your boss, not your brother, not your dad, but to your husband. Not your pastor, not to your Bible, book, but to your husband. So that any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words. The Greek word for subject that's used in Titus is the same word, because it says in Titus 2 verse 5, be subject to your husbands, is the same word as submit. Which in Greek, as many of us know already, is hupotasso. H-U-P-O-T-A-S-S-O, which means to line up under. It has the idea of placing oneself in a rank lower than someone else, basically, just as in the military. This is a very idea of humility, as I've shared before. In no way does submission, as I've shared before, imply inferiority. So we've got to love that word. It's got such an ugly word. It's such an ugly word in the world, but in the kingdom, it's an incredibly beautiful thing. We see it illustrated in Christ going to the cross. Mm. Jesus did not want to submit himself at one point to going on the cross. Three times he prayed, take this cup from me, God. But in the end, through prayer and through the Spirit of God, he submitted and was able to die for our sins. Through his submission, we're saved. Why would we not love that concept? It's amazing. You know, I was thinking about it today. You know, for wives, I think that um, I think that marriage is the Gethsemane mm-hmm. for our lives. Mm-hmm. It is where we can true. It's a training ground for us to learn to be godly women, yeah. to make Jesus proud. Because you know, that is in marriage <laughs> it is where we say, "Not my will, 
that God's will be done by submitting in everything to my husband. That is intense. And honestly, many wives in the church are maligning the word of God, speaking evil of the word of God because they are not obeying scripture to submit to their husbands. And I want to warn the wives that you are bringing curses on yourselves. Turn with me as we close out. Hate to end it on this, but this is this has got to go deep because there is unsubmission in the church. And it's killing your marriage and it's killing the body. And it's killing your soul. This is a salvation issue. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 28. What's amazing about this scripture that I'm going to share is it talks first about the blessings of obedience. And I want you to read that at some point. There are incredible... Is that Jaleesa back there? Ooh, looking, yeah. looking cool. Looking nice back there. I was just talking about it. about you earlier so it's good to see you um, but this this chapter talks about blessings for obedience and curses for, for disobedience but the blessings for obedience are for us we can claim and own these these are amazing blessings that you have access to just by obeying the scriptures that's amazing and as disciples you're 90% there you have the spirit that helps you obey but in Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 it says if we are going to disobey wives this is going to be horrible for us because it says if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully it takes careful obedience guys do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today all these curses will come upon you and overtake you you will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. That's food. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. And the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The the Lord will send on you curses, confusion. You'll lose your mind and rebuke in everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you are entering to possess. And it goes on. Verse 23, the the sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down from the skies until you are destroyed. And it goes on and it goes on about our children It just goes on and on. This is reality. These are the consequences. And as singles, ask yourself, how do you like to be corrected? How obedient are you to the scriptures? To the scriptures that apply to being a single woman. Obviously, Titus 2 doesn't if you're not married. But how are you doing in the area of obedience to the word of God? How are you obeying as far as it goes with purity? Are you excellent in that area? Do you flirt? How's it going as far as, as, far as discipline? Just discipline. Getting up. Going and having a decent job. Making a living for yourself. At school, are you obeying and 
doing a great job with your homework and, and, and respecting teachers. And it's hard. I was always a class clown. Do you shut up when the teacher speaks out of respect? You know, or are you texting? You know, are you, right? Mm-hmm. How's it going? How are you, sisters, who are single with authority figures in your life? If there is a constant, um, if you're constantly sharing in D time that you're getting into it with your boss, you're always getting into it with your boss, that's an issue of submission. You're going to do terrible in your marriage. If you're constantly confessing, oh, I had a fight with my boss. Fight? I never fought with my boss. That's my boss. He pays the paychecks. Hello, be nice. Show some respect. Right? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. That would be insane. But we do it because of our hearts. But, you know, are you constantly, other coworkers, are you like jostling for position that you want to be the boss? Mm-hmm. You know, how's that going? That's an issue yeah. of submission. That's an Come issue of this. submission. So, guys, mm-hmm. we are going to repent. We're going to be an awesome church. I'm going to see glowing men on Sunday. They're going to be walking around like they walked on water. They're going to be confident. They're going to feel loved. They're going to feel respected. They're going to have their bellies full because you're going to make an awesome meal for them. You're going to lay the table. You're going to put flowers on. You're going to get dressed up pretty. And you're going to have an awesome time. You're going to initiate. If they haven't asked you on a Valentine's Day, you're going to go ahead and plan a Valentine's Day. And and take them to their favorite thing, whatever that is, even if you don't like it. You're going to go. You're going to say, really thought we could go golfing or whatever whatever your husband likes right so what I want to share is finally just close out that you know if you're really struggling there's a great this has really been my marriage um, and it's the quote says more marriages might survive if the partners realize that sometimes the better comes after the worse Right? Mm-hmm. For better or worse. Yeah. Sometimes we wow. think, oh, it's going to get better. It starts off great, but then mine really was horrible in the beginning. But it's just getting better over time. Amen. So don't give up. Doesn't matter where your marriage is at. Doesn't matter if you're single. <laughs> don't give up. Because you are getting yourselves ready for the Lamb on that great day when we get to go to heaven. And that we are married to God forever and ever. And every tear will be white. There will be no tears in heaven. There is no marriage in heaven. It's all the training ground to make us ready for that amazing day. So that we can be dressed in that white dress. Which is a dress of righteous acts of obedience to God. So let's be awesome wives. Let's learn and teach. Let's be Titus 2 women. If you're a married woman, let your life be exemplary in these areas. Make your home be exemplary. It needs to be an incredible place, a refuge, clean. You need to be busy at home, not a busy body in the church. Mm-hmm. You could go on. But I am going to end it here because uh, it's nearly nine. We're going to get some thoughts and comments. We're just going to pray really quick. This is what I feel like I need to do as well. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. It rejuvenates us. It teaches us. It guides us. Thank you that we are going to be amazing, amazing wives, God, that we are going to submit to our husbands. We are no longer going to try and control our husbands and dictate the leadership of our homes, God. Please really forgive the sisters, including myself, that have taken the reins, have taken the driver's seat and disrespected the man of God that you've put in our lives, Father. For the single sisters, help them continually be fired up about the opportunity to potentially marry a man of God help them though get ready for that time now in their hearts help them not be 
uh, disillusioned that when you're when, that, that at the time of marriage you're going to somehow be an amazing submissive wife. No, they can start now yeah. by being submissive to the authorities in their lives that you have put, that you have ordained in their lives. I pray that they would keep themselves pure. God, protect them from the world. Yeah. Help them st- have hope in you. Help them yeah. draw close to you this Valentine's Day, knowing that meditating on the many, many, many scriptures that, that, that encourage our soul to know that you're our redeemer, you're our prince, God, that you are our sh- good shepherd, that you are our superhero, that you are the, 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 the most handsomest dude in the universe, God, that you're cool, that you're awesome, that you will fight every battle, God. God, you will give us great riches at your table. You will anoint our heads with oil because you love us. Every hair on our head, even our husbands don't know. Even our husbands won't even know like what color toenails we have. But you know the number of hairs on our head, God. Thank you for loving us so deeply and utterly, God. We love you. Help us just be good, good women of God, God. Help us go into the rest of the year in obedience to your word, God, and in submission to one another. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H dot org dot UK And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.